Hi, and welcome to Authorise, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier. And with thanks to CSCG, today going to meet another terrific Australian author and a book, uh, a very important book too, uh, in many, many ways. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, firstly, uh, when you come to talk about your finances, uh, sometimes you know a lot about it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you know where you want to head, sometimes you don't. If you want to put it all into uh, perspective and work out where you want to go with your finances, what you actually have and what you can do with that, and the areas that you can grow and expand and uh, make sure that uh, you have your financial future uh, mapped out really well. The people to talk to are my friends at CSCG, and they are terrific people to deal with. Jump on the website, have a look, cscg.com.au, and then give them a call and talk to them, and you'll know straight away that they're the people you should be dealing with about your finances. Double nine seven four eight triple three is their phone number. Give them a call. You won't be sorry. You won't be sorry if you pick this book up either. It's called Hard Knocks. It's by Fiona Scott-Norman, who's edited together uh, 22 interviews she's done with uh, a whole range of Australians about their time in high school. And just think back to your time in high school. Wasn't all beer and Skittles, was it? Uh, well, it certainly wasn't beer. Uh, it wasn't all, you know, sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. There was a lot of trials and tribulations for us all. And there's some amazing stories in this and uh, some terrific stories in, in this book too, from the likes of Missy Higgins, from Judith Lucy, from uh, a great actor Brendan Cowell, uh, from uh, Tiffany Hall, from Eddie Perfect. They're all in there. It's a really good read. It's a wide and a different story. Every time you pick up a chapter, it's it's a different experience from a whole lot of different Australians, but one I'm sure that you'll enjoy. So let's talk to Fiona about uh, how she put this book together and what it is all about. So how long did this book take you to put together? Because it's, uh, it, it's a big it's a big lot of work to, and a lot of people to coordinate. Yes. It began with an idea uh, about 10 years ago called Don't Peak at High School, and uh, which I did with a firm, and I did uh, some of the interviews then, and I did some for a version called Bully for Them. And so Hard Knocks is another update um, where I did more interviews and also we moved out some um, people who, shall we say, weren't perhaps connecting to the young people as much as they used to. Yeah. It feels like it's been a 10-year project. That said, the interviews that I did for this current edition took me a long time. It Doing this project during the pandemic was really difficult, partly finding people, uh, talking to people, connecting with people. It was just so peculiar where people were at. I suppose also what's happened in the last 10 years, and it's been a real privilege to see this journey, the nature of celebrity has changed, mm-hmm. um, the nature of what people are prepared to talk about has changed and a lot of people seem to have ownership of their personal stories in a way that they didn't 10 years ago. Uh, Now it sometimes becomes people's brand or they're bringing out a memoir or it's, um, it's kind of quite an intense project actually. I certainly find that when I'm doing it, it requires a lot of personal kind of fortitude and strength to hold the space to be able to listen to these stories and to be yeah strong enough to be the safe space for people yeah yeah I read Missy Higgins and and mm. I finished it and I've I, I was drained I thought my yes. god I felt like I'd been and it's a, a testament to you and to her I felt like I'd been through it with her and yeah. it was bloody harrowing yeah it it is uh 
that is sort of the, I suppose, the intention. Well, it's not the intention isn't to harrow people, but mm. um, but certainly to allow readers to come out with this, uh, going on the journey and really understanding what it's like to be someone else and have their experience. Yeah. Um, and particularly, you know, their obviously their childhood experience because I think particularly now I think it's even more, I'd say worse isn't really the right word, but certainly more uh, developed this sense of, celebrity and we look at people who are famous and we kind of figure that they've got everything's fine for them and that everything's always been fine for them, that they're special, they've got something going on and, you know, it's never been tough and that's how they get to be so shiny and fabulous. The, the, poster, okay. the poster word of the pandemic is resilience, but it should also be the poster word of getting through childhood and teenagehood. I couldn't agree more. Um, and a few pennies really dropped for me this time, Kevin, I have to say, because I, I was um, very, very unpopular at school, and uh, which is obviously where I got the idea from, but realising that the creative uh, and somewhat interesting and unusual life I lead as a writer and a DJ and a commentator and all, all of those things um, were as a direct result of being ostracised at school. Um, it positioned me as an outsider, an observer, it um, meant that I didn't get to just kind of unthinkingly join in the dominant narrative. Uh, so I had to do my own thing because I didn't really have friends. And uh, I ended up being a, well, all of the different things. And when I met some old friends or old people I was in a dormitory with at school because I went to boarding school back in England, and they were all essentially um, physiotherapists nothing wrong with that, you know, like I, I use those services, but I was like, oh, wow, I I kind of had an escape. Like I I would have just been exactly the same, yeah. like had this middle-class life and I haven't. Um, and talking to all of these different kind of like people who are leading interesting lives, the common thread is absolutely or has to a large degree been like not figuring at school or trauma at school um, where you have to develop yourself and change who you find, find who you are outside of what's expected. And the realisation that the more you stick to yourself and believe in yourself uh, or believe that you're a, that what you have is a value that's going to be the path forward. Yeah. Um, everybody basically experienced that where they were rejected for being different and actually we need people who are different. The conversation's moved on a lot too in terms of what is difference. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. You know, <laughs> I realised just how intolerant schools really are of anything that's outside of a very narrow view of what is considered popular and attractive. There's very few people, I think, that actually do have a great time at school. I, I thought originally it was just down to bullying or being ostracised, but since this round of interviews, I've realised how many students actually are masking what's going on for them. The, the children or the kids who can't hide their difference, they're the ones who get bullied. 
Mm. because they can't do anything about the fact that they present as gay or that they're a, they're a different race or they have a disability or, you know, it, that kind of stuff is makes them an easy target. But actually there are plenty of people who are hiding their, able to hide their queerness, for example, and they're at a religious school and they've absorbed the message that it's intolerable to be queer yep. or trans. So they do whatever it takes to not do that um, and be straight, for example. They present as straight. Um, or you've got other students who are hiding their grief or they're hiding um, their, you know, their neurodiversity, whatever it is that makes them not fitting the, the dominant uh, paradigm. Yeah. And, you know, and so they're masking all the way through. So there's another goodness knows how many percentage of students that are just actually faking it um, yeah. because they can, but they're not being them. Yeah. Uh, I think that schools essentially are like something that you order on wish. You know, school is like the school you order on wish. It doesn't fit most people at all. And yet you're being, it's demanded of you that you comply and you fit into this box, that you behave a certain way, that you become whatever it is that that particular school wants you to become, yeah. you conform, you comply. And it's, I think it's an awful experience for many, many kids, not yeah. just the ones that are, you know, ostracised. The obvious ones that you see and you walk through a schoolyard and you go, I bet he's been picked on because he's a Muslim, I bet he's been picked on because whatever. Uh, Missy Higgins' description of a school being a holding pen, I thought that's, mm. that's perfect, that's what it is. But then the converse of that is you get someone like Brendan Cowell who actually goes, no, stuff the lot of you is I'm going to do what I want to do and be who I want to be, and if it means I have to be on my own and do my own thing, eventually that that turned around from him in, in year 11 and he became the cool kid in the school. Yeah. I mean, Brendan, I, I love Brendan's story because he was just so determined to be himself right from the beginning. So, you know, he's a, a straight, cis, het guy, like, He's good at sport. And uh, as I said to him at the time when I interviewed him, it's like it takes talent to be unpopular at an Australian school when you're good at sport. Like, <laughs> that's, that's really something. Um, but he was writing poetry. He was and, and reading out at assembly. And he had like he was inviting guys around and then wanting to choreograph dance routines to Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> um, no one wanted to hang out with him because he was just so weird by, you know, the standards of the Shire, which yeah. is where he went to school. And then, but he wasn't able to change. You know what I mean? He just kept doing what he did because that's what he did. But he had some, he had a couple of very, very dark years. Yeah. Like he was suicidal. Like he really didn't know what to do. Um, but he was getting, you know, he's on TV ads, you know, like he was being really successful, but he was being um, singled out and, totally ostracised for it. But then because he just kept doing what he was doing, he found some other, gradually found some other weirdos and they started a band together and then by the end it was like, oh, my God, Brendan's in a band. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. the last couple of years he was one of the cool kids because he really stayed the course. But what he said to me was that the reason he got through was simply that he had his mother in his corner and she supported him hugely he said if it hadn't been for that, he doesn't know what he would have done. Yeah. 
because she just kept going, you're all right, you're all right. It was that support. And it, it feels that very much that what's, what kids need to do is to find someone who will, who will be on their side. For some kids, it's teachers at school. You know, like there's certainly been students who are bullied horribly and a couple of the teachers look after them because mm. sometimes people's home environment isn't safe, you know, is the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's this idea that school is the problem, but sometimes it's it's literally the home environment is what's actually making everything incredibly hard. You need to find as much of a safe space as you can, whoever it is. Yeah. And that can be enough, even if you're being tortured a couple of people in your corner is enough to get you through. And sometimes what you just need to do is to survive school. And sometimes it, it seems to be the, the pattern I, I'm seeing developing, and I've, I have a, a, a son who's in year 11 uh, this year. That's about when they get to the point where they actually start to find, if you want to call it that, their tribe and their place and they start to make their decisions and they, they're kind of a little a little more detached from this the regiment of school when they get to that sort of year 11 part of their life? Definitely there appears to be a, a softening when students are around, you know, like start, you know, start kind of coming into their own, like 16, 17. I, I think it's also around the point where they either discover that they kind of work out, for example, that they just can't hide who they are anymore anyway. Mm, yep. You, you know, and it is that probably that, growth of the hormones as well like it everything becomes much more intense and it's just like you know what sod it I, I i have to you know or i can just hold on until i'm you know leave school and then i'm going to uh you know travel the world and do all the things i want to do or if it's a creative student um then or kid then often they have managed to connect with the theater department or there's something that seems quite common at all of the high schools where there's a group that is formed from all the people who don't fit into yeah. any of the other groups. Yeah. So they're not the jocks and they're not the, the really smart ones necessarily or, you know, they're not, not sporty or they're not popular, but they're kind of where the offcuts go. And that seems to be the funnest, safest place for all kids to congregate. So if you're a bit nerdy or you're a bit arty or you're, um, you look a bit odd, that's the, that's the group. And usually that's the fun place to be and where you can actually, you know, start making friends and everyone's kind of got parity. I mean, the difficulty comes if you're really at the bottom um, because then it's very hard to come up from there. Yeah. By the time you're in your teen, like late teens to your, you've got a few more skills, like you've actually learned some skills, um, you've learned some strategies. I mean, and those are the things that kind of really accelerate your development. Yeah. So you're coming, you're coming into um, your own and you've, the stuff that you've used to survive and get through, you can actually start using as a strategy. So if you've been, you know, masking and pretending to be a very chatty popular person, which is not uncommon, I have to say, amongst gay men who masked. Mm. <laughs> They've got this persona of like, I'm fabulous but straight, and then they can use the fabulous part to just kind of make themselves liked. Mm. The sense of humour is actually one of the most useful skill sets that kids who are having a hard time develop because it's a great way of diffusing conflict Often kids who are having a hard time at home have got like a, 
you know, aggressive parents or there's, you know, arguments and things at home or they find themselves in that position of having to broker a peace between parents or siblings, often use humour. Um, they're great peacemakers and they can take those skills into the schoolyard as well. And then as adults, it's an incredible skill set to have. Yeah. And that allows you to make more friends. Yeah. Right. So again, like you find people that you can hang out with when you're in the schoolyard, because actually, really, what you're looking for is people who aren't going to be mean to you, right? Who are going to accept you for who you are. Yeah. And if you can just find a, you know, if you're lucky enough to get, you know, true friends, then that's wonderful. Often, um, what you find is the ability to hang out, and you find people to hang out with, and that's good. Hanging out's great because you can also be part of a group rather than just someone who stands out so much that you get a lot of attention. When you drive into a schoolyard and you see a kid down the back of the uh, the, the sports over walking around and around and around, there's about 10 of him in this book. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of go away, they escape to get away from it. It's it's sad, but it's, it's, it's actually it's part of coping. Oh, absolutely. And we all find the coping strategies that work for us too. Like it was interesting um, interviewing Megan Washington because her strategy was just she just kept fighting to be accepted. She was just would not accept that they didn't like her. She was furious about it. <laughs> and she just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, it was so frustrating for her. She ended up just being really aggressive at school. Like she got expelled. She was throwing stuff around because she just refused to take it. Mm. So that was her personality, right? And other people hide. Uh, a lot of people read a lot. Um, I imagine a lot of people are gaming at the moment, um, being online, you know, finding those kind of connections. There was a lot of people who went to school in the 90s who are, were on chat boards, you know, finding like-minded people across the other side of the world and mm. making connections that way. We do whatever it takes because humans are incredible. Like our survival instincts are extraordinary. Yeah. We are resilient just as a species. It's like what we will put up with and what we will work around is quite extraordinary. Yeah. If you're not having a good time at school, if you're having a terrible time, I suppose the message of the book is that a lot of people have a terrible time, like a lot of people. This is not uncommon. It's not your fault. It's the fault of the school system, really. It's just not designed to notice that stuff. Yeah. And you are going to... Well, it's not equipped to fix it either. That's the other thing. They're just, they don't have the resources. Well, I, I have a suspicion that also they're asking the wrong questions, Kevin. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've, I've sort of come to the understanding that when, of course, humans were evolving as a social species, we... To be cast out from the social group that you're in essentially meant death when we're revolving. You, you, it meant being cast out from the fire, from food, from company. It was essentially like if you were cast out, you were on your own. And I think that that fear, you know, that, that sense when you're at school and you are ostracised or told that you can't, you know, be part of the dominant culture... It's actually life or death is what it feels like because it is like when we go back biologically, it feels like life or death. Mm. So when we're saying to our kids, oh, but they're not your real friends or it doesn't matter and it's like 
the kids are like, no, 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 you don't understand. And it's not about whether they like the popular kids. It's just that everybody wants to be close to the fire. That's why conformity is so important. We all desperately need to conform when we're at school, not because, you know, it's not even advertising or social media. It's like it's a deep-seated core need because we know instinctively that if we're on the outside, we're the ones furthest from the fire and we are going to die, right? That's how it feels. Yeah. So, of course, we're trying to be like the most popular, the most held up as the example of what we should all be like because the closer we can get to those people and to that standard, the less likely we are to be obliterated. Yeah. I don't think that there's really an understanding that that's what's going on because, you know, we just sort of look at kids and go, oh, why can't they be nice? And it's like, well, they can't. They're, they're being, they've literally been thrown into this situation mm. where they're having to fend for themselves, find their place, disguise who they are, actually, because very few kids fit the mould of what's, what's acceptable and what's right, and fight to hide that to suppress who they are or what they might actually want to be doing or the friends that they would like to have. They're in constant anxiety and stress. Mm. Even the kids who are popular are fighting to keep that role and being ever vigilant that they don't slip. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. um, yep. it, it's extremely stressful in there. And, I mean, I'm sure you remember, Kevin, it's like any kid, as soon as you walk into the school gate, you're doing a calculation and you know exactly where you fit on the pecking order, right? You know yep. exactly where you fit. It's what we do. It's You just go in and you go, okay, some people get to swan in and go, you know, like Jamie, um, when Chris Lilly was doing that character. It's like, yeah, white, has money, bit sporty. You know, it's like all of those boxes ticked. I can afford the latest stuff. I'm fine. And then everybody else falls into line underneath trying yeah. to emulate or get close to those people. So it just becomes a complete power thing. I feel that what we all need to do and what schools need to do or what the education would usefully be is to normalise difference so that being different isn't a problem mm. because if that's what we can teach children, then they can relax. There's still going to be popularity and hierarchies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just how we organise ourselves, but the values around which we do that, you know, is what's making things so hard. And it's been particularly hard, I think, in our, our culture um, because it absolutely lionises sport still. Mm. And it's it's really, really not celebratory of intellect, artiness, self-expression, difference, uh, any of the kind of like the stuff that makes culture complex and interesting. I, I feel like we really need to look at the idea that whoever you are as a kid is completely fine rather than trying to get people to conform to some kind of ideal because the ideal is artificial. It's just we've made it up, mm. you know, it, and it's unquestioned most of the time. Yeah. And the focus goes on making people behave and it's like, well, Yes, manners are good and being telling people not to bully is also great, but that's not what's going on underneath. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very um, true. And, you know, looking at what's going on currently with the religious um, uh, protection laws uh, 
being pushed through Parliament, you know, which where religious schools don't have to not, um, they don't have to protect trans children, um, you know, because it's being embodied that they can discriminate, uh, is, it's just so desperately sad because it's not going to stop kids being gender fluid. It's not going to stop them being who they are. Um, there's very little understanding of the deep, deep damage that uh, religious values do to any kid that's not completely uh, conforming to gender and sexual stereotypes or to no- to what was considered normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the fact is it is all normal. Everything's normal. Yep. The variety is normal. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, it's... You know, it's it's a every, word that almost um, should be taken out of the context of of what we speak about. It shouldn't 100%. be. It shouldn't be used. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, and every every queer kid that I interviewed for this book, and there's quite a few. Yeah. Um, all of the ones that went to um, religious schools were tortured and. They tortured themselves. Yeah, I was going to say both externally and internally. Internally, yeah. because they absolutely absorbed the lesson that being gay or being queer was evil. I know I'll get you. I know I know I pronounce it wrong, but uh, the, the the bloke who wrote the slap, Chris Tokolis, he, he's he's the one that immediately comes to mind when you speak about that. Yeah, Chris Tokolis. He um, absolutely. He really. He absolutely tormented himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what happens, it's the same with Holden Shepherd, who's the um, another writer, another gay writer. Yeah. Um, uh, even Paul Capps, the, uh, I mean, Singer, it, yeah. it's what, yeah, what they, what they end up going through is like they get it, they're told, it's very clear and often culturally at home as well if the, if the parents are religious, which is why they've sent their kids to these schools. Yeah. And so they absorb this lesson and they are desperately wanting to not be gay, right? Because they're told it's evil, it's loathsome, you're disgusting, you're vile, you should die. That's the message they absorb. Yeah. God has no place for you. And, but it doesn't stop them being queer. All it does is mean that they hate themselves yeah. and they spend years trying to get rid of it. Um, and hiding, hating themselves, self-harming, suicidal ideation. Uh, it's, it's just the, the scarring, the, the emotional and psychological damage that comes from this stuff is just, it, honestly, it breaks your heart. Mm. And for, you know, this whole idea that, having rules around what's allowed in terms of gender and sexuality. It's like you can't rule, you can't make rules around it. It's like gravity. You know, you can't decide it doesn't work. You can't, it's like King Canute, you know, who went down to show his um, <laughs> show his followers that he could not order the tides to recede, right? <laughs> it's like natural. Having um, sexuality, gender, um, identity on uh, an absolutely infinite spectrum is human. 
right? That is actually what we do. So um, it's ridiculous to, well, and it's just deeply harmful. All Mm. you're doing is traumatising and often causing children to self-harm and even kill themselves. Yeah. That's what's being formalised at the moment and it is, it's beyond disgusting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just can't think why any religion would want to hurt people. Yeah, it's against it's against the sort of setup that they uh, the, the foundation of what they're set up to do. It's against all that. It doesn't make doesn't make any sense. The good the good part Absolutely about this is not. that most of these stories, well, all these stories have have a happy ending in terms of the the, the resilience is shown. They found they found where they should be, and and they're they're living that life now, which is uh, which is terrific. Well, that is true. But Kevin, I didn't get to interview the people who killed themselves. Correct. Yeah, I know right. there is that underlying thing that. Yeah, the stats aren't. The sliding know, doors moment for each of the people in this book is is the yeah. bit that you go, Jesus, we yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't have Brendan Cowell and we wouldn't have Missy Higgins and we wouldn't have Kate Miller Heidke if if they'd taken that one step away yeah. from where they did. Correct, and uh, so for. I mean, I guess as a resource, Hard Knocks is there for um, children and parents who can read it and go, hopefully when they have their own sliding door moment, they can see that actually out the other side, once they leave school, there is real opportunity. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's like it's it's worth it. It's worth staying alive. Yeah. Because actually the, the experience that you're having at school is not your life. This is not the culture that you will be living in forever. Yep. And Actually, what you're being told is the important thing isn't the important thing. The important thing is that you truly dig down and stick to yourself and stand for yourself, even if you're being told by everybody that you are worthless. It is not true. That's a really uh, a nice note to finish on, Fiona. Yeah, that's probably the, the perfect ending to this. And the next thing you should do is go and get the book and have a read. Fiona Scott Norman's book, Hard Knocks, it's available now uh, through a firm press and uh, I, I highly recommend it. I also highly recommend my good friends at CSCG, our podcast partners who will help you with your finances, help you sort it all out. If it's a bit of a mess, if it's not a mess and you, you want to make sure that you're getting the most out of what you've got and what you can uh, get out of your life uh, financially, Give them a call and talk to them on double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website cscg.com.au. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Authorised. Where you found it, you'll find a whole lot of old episodes uh, that we've uh, done uh, with some great authors uh, talking about terrific books and really good stories. So make sure you uh, have a listen to some of our previous episodes of Authorised. See you soon. Mm-hmm.